tonight. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So if you guys brought your Bibles, as I say every week, I hope you did. Uh, go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, this is a safe place to bring your Bible. This is church. We're a church. We believe in Jesus here. And so you can bring your Bibles to church. So I hope you brought your Bibles. It's different when you interact with an, with an actual Bible rather than just listening to somebody say the scriptures. It's, it's such a different experience when you're reading it on a page from your Bible and uh, you see it right there. But uh, we're not going to have like a whole lot of buildup into, into the message and tonight's exhortation. We're just going to get right into it. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And it says this, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And we'll pause there. So we're going to start off tonight by making sure that it's clear in everyone's mind that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the reason that he came, to save sinners. To save sinners from what? To save them from the wrath of God. The wrath of God. We looked at this a little bit last week, uh, but we looked at Christ saving sinners. Christ saving you and me if you've put your faith in him. It, it may be a message that gets repeated over and over again, the gospel, but it is a message worth repeating over and over again. Uh, someone was presenting uh, the gospel to me uh, the other day, it wasn't like a, like, it wasn't like at a Bible study or anything like that. It's just, there was a, a, a real human being standing in front of me and they were, they were presenting the gospel. They were, they were, they had a prepared gospel presentation that they were giving me. And it was such a delight to listen to. It was so awesome to, to listen to someone preach the gospel to me. Like I, I preach the gospel every week. For those of you that come regularly, we preach the gospel every week here. So I hear myself preach the good news every week. And, and I spend hours preparing these messages that get preached on Fridays. So as, as I'm preparing these messages, I am, I am reading the gospel being put down on paper or on a Word doc. I'm seeing it every week. But there's something amazing about hearing the good news in someone else's voice, in, in someone else's words. So many things stand out, and it's, it's so refreshing. I found, I found myself believing in the gospel all over again, which is amazing. I loved it. We all need that. We, we all need to hear the gospel over and over again, and to hear it from someone else's voice and someone else's perspective. You know, of course, it better be doctrinally sound. It better not be some weird gospel that they're preaching. Um, but... This is what Paul highlights in verse 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says that he was the worst sinner of all, Paul says, which may or may not be true because I can think of a few people throughout history that, you know, maybe have done far worse things than, than Paul did in his days. But the fact remains that in Paul's own eyes, 
in his own eyes, he saw himself as the worst sinner of all. That's how he saw himself. And that's a lesson that we ought to take to heart, all of us, lest we forget and we get puffed up. You know, this goes with what we looked at when we studied Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the poor in spirit. Paul understood his own poverty of spirit. He looked at the things that he was involved in, namely that he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor, a violent aggressor uh, against Christians. And he understood that in light of the perfection of Christ, that he was the foremost sinner of all. And that he was poor in spirit, which, newsflash, we all are. We are all poor in spirit. But thank God that he doesn't leave us in that poverty. Instead, he pays the price on our behalf, and he gives us the kingdom of heaven. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul says in verse 16 that one of the reasons God saved him specifically, was to show others that they can be saved too. To show others that they can be saved too. No one is ever too far gone. No one has ever committed so many sins that God is unable to, to cleanse those sins. Uh, no one has been a sinner, uh, the, the, the enemy of God, for, for too long a period of time that God just, you know, throws his hands in the air. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this person. I'm, done, I'm over it. They, they keep resisting me. It's been far too long. Because to that thinking, Paul says, look at me. Like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the foremost of all sinners. I was the worst sinner of all. But God was still patient. God, God, God is perfectly patient. And he still gave me eternal life based on my simple faith. And, 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 and the same can be for you. Simple faith. No unsafe person is too far gone. As long as, there are, as, as long as there's breath in their lungs, as long as there are, you know, brain waves that are still going off, there's still an opportunity for salvation. Uh, my grandfather, he recently passed away. And his entire life, he was a very devout and proud Catholic um, you know, I, I would, I would, when I got saved, I tried to share the gospel with him and no, nope, didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear none of it. I'm a Catholic Knights of Columbus, all that nonsense. No, he trusted in his religion, but in his last days, he was extremely sick and basically he was just waiting to die. And so I shared the message of the good news with him once again. Now he had nowhere to run. He, he could barely talk. So it was like, you know what? Now you're going to listen to me, old man. I'm just kidding. It wasn't like that. But um, yeah, he was, he was just there. And so I, I began to share the gospel with him again. Like, Grandpa, it's all about Jesus. It's not about the things that you've done in your life. It's not about your religion. It's not about your morality. You have none. It's not about your merit. You have none, not before God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the fact that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And, you know, he nodded his head and he said that he agreed with that. Um, so I hope that his faith was true. I hope that it was true. Um, I guess we'll find out when, you know, I get to heaven. I also had a cousin uh, who, was, who was, he was gay. And he was partying, going to clubs, drinking, doing drugs, all that stuff. And there was one night where I guess... You know, when they were doing, him and his buddies were doing drugs, I guess he OD'd, and they just, they, they left him at the hospital, 
and left. Like the, 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 the staff, hospital staff said that, they, that he was just left at the hospital. And so he was in a coma. He, he, he was in a coma and um, he was on life support and his, his, the, the, he's, he had an aneurysm and like I guess his, his, his skull was filling with blood. So he didn't have much time left. And so before the family decided to pull the plug, um, I, went, I went to his ear and you know, I just I whispered into his ear. I was like, Tony, I, I don't know if you can hear me. I hope you can, but Jesus can forgive you. Even though your, 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 your drug-filled life, even though you've been living a lifestyle that is against God, like God can forgive you. Jesus Christ can forgive you. And if you just believe in him right now, even right now, dude, you can be saved and, and you will be in heaven soon. Again, I won't know until, until I'm in heaven. You know, about how crazy would it be that like I, I'm there and then I see my cousin like, Dude, that's crazy. Like the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel that it can be whispered into the ear of someone in a coma and that they can believe and they will be and they will inherit eternal life. That's amazing. So I can't wait. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Why not? Why not believe in it, right? But the point is, is that no one is too far gone. No one is too far gone. As long as there is life in the body on this earth, there is hope for salvation and regeneration. If he can save Paul, and if he can save me, and, and if he can save you know, those of you in here that are saved, uh, then he can save anyone, because we are all the foremost of all sinners. We are all desperately bankrupt, spiritually speaking, all of us, but he is mighty to save, amen? He's mighty to save. He can save anybody. And that's why we give him glory and honor. That's why we give him glory and honor. Like Paul writes in verse 17, he is the eternal king. He is the always existing, unseen, only God of the universe. And he deserves for us to give him glory and honor, to brag about who he is. He deserves that, to tell him what we know about him and who he is, that he is worthy of all of it. And he is worthy of all of it just by the mere fact that he exists. God existing is reason enough to give him praise and glory and honor. The fact that he is and that he created everything we see and don't see. But what makes, him, what makes God even more amazing and even more worthy, if that can even be said, of someone who is infinitely worthy, but what makes him more amazing and more worthy is what we read in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him and the son of man that you are concerned about him? And this concern and the thoughts that he has toward us, toward man, moved him to have a plan to save us before that psalm was even written down. Before he created the heavens, the work of his fingers, the moon and the stars which he set in place. Before the foundation of the world, he already had a plan for your salvation. Oh, he is definitely worthy. Is he not? Is he worthy? Paul says amen. Amen. 
I say amen. Emma says amen. Anybody else? Amen. He is worthy. So let's keep reading 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 through 20. So, verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to the faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. We'll stop there. So fight the good fight. We are to fight. And if we are to fight, it should come as no surprise to any of us that difficulties will come. There will be struggles. There will be hardships. Recently, a few weeks back, you know, I'd been telling all of you guys that, that there, I've, just, I've, been, I've been struggling. There's, there's been struggles. There's a lot of spiritual warfare going on in my walk. Lots of discouragement. Lots of mental fog. A lot, uh, just a bunch of whispers from the enemy telling me lies about my position in Christ and my position in this local body. But I had to fight. And I still have to fight. It's, it's, it's not over. I thought it was over. I, th- I thought that that season of spiritual warfare was over, so I let my guard down a little bit only to find out, no, it's not over. There's still more. There's, there's a lot more. But we fight. We fight the good fight. And verse 19, it tells us how we go about fighting this good fight. We keep the faith and we keep a good conscience. Keep the faith, keep a good conscience. Now that word keep, it means to have, to possess, to, to hold oneself to a thing, to adhere to, or to cling to. And so when we keep the faith, we are possessing the faith. We are holding ourselves to the faith. We are adhering to the faith. We are clinging to the faith. And that sounds like a really good way of fighting the good fight. Now, faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. It's believing without seeing. It's trusting in what has been said to be true. That's what faith is. And, and, and what was Paul just writing about in the previous verses? He, he wrote about the fact that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We haven't yet seen the end result of this salvation. We don't know exactly how this, this whole salvation thing is going to present itself. If, if you want to be really scandalous, you can say that, You don't really know if all of this is even true because you've never seen heaven. You've never died as a born-again believer, so you can't really say that this will all lead to salvation and heaven. And that's how unsaved people see this. That's how they see it. But the fact is that our faith, which is a gift from God, Our faith, which is a gift from God, has made certain the things that we have hoped for, these things that we are hoping for. We are hoping for heaven, and our faith has made heaven a certainty. The fact that we have faith, the fact that we have faith is proof that heaven is real. What would cause 
a rational human being, listen to this question, what would cause a rational human being to believe that a random Jew getting crucified by his own people would mean salvation from eternal punishment as long as they believe that this is what his crucifixion meant. No rational human being would believe in this. This is a stupid message. And the Bible doesn't even try to hide that fact. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18, 20, and 21 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? Verse 21, for since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. He was well pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. It's a foolish message. It's a foolish message that should be believed by no sensibly thinking person. But the fact is that many people, many of us in this room included, we do believe this message. We believe this message. And for the most part, we're not crazy. I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I can't speak for everybody. I don't know all of y'all, but for the most part, I would say we're not, we're, we're not out of our minds. We're not crazy people. So what has caused us to believe in this message? Well, it's, it's, it's the gift of faith. It's faith, the gift of faith that God has given us. God opened our eyes to see the great wisdom that actually exists in the message of the cross, and we believe. He opened our eyes to see the wisdom that actually exists in the message of the cross, and we believe. We have faith. And we need to keep this faith if we are to fight the good fight. We need to keep this faith. And if, if anyone ever finds themselves lacking faith, if anybody in here finds, if you find yourself lacking faith, Romans 8, 17 says this, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ, the word. Faith comes through the word of God. That's where faith comes. It's, it's no mystery and it's no coincidence that the majority of the people who come into this church for counseling because they're dealing with some sort of sin, they're, they're struggling against some sort of temptation, they're having a really hard time in their walk, it's no coincidence that the majority of those people, when asked the question, how was your time in the word, they say, not good. It's no coincidence that when people come in here struggling in their faith, struggling to believe the things that God says about them, struggling to believe it's no coincidence that when you ask them, how's your devotional time? Do you, do you spend daily time in the word? Oh, I try, but they don't. It's no coincidence. They're trying to navigate this walk. They're tr people are trying to navigate this walk with its struggles and its temptations without being nourished by the word. Many of you, you were here a few weeks ago, but the word... It's food for your spirit. It's food. It's food for your spirit. It may not be the food that you're craving at the moment, you know, but it's food. 
and it's good for you nonetheless. Whether it feels like you're eating steak and lobster or whatever your favorite dish is, or it feels like you're eating a bowl of bland oatmeal, regardless, it's going to nourish you and it's going to strengthen you to walk strongly. It's going to supply you with more faith. It will increase your faith as you feast on the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. So we keep the faith and we also need to keep a good conscience is what it says. And this is a big one. This is a big one. We need to be very careful of what we allow to enter our minds and our hearts. We need to be careful. We need, we need to really police ourselves and we need to monitor our choices and our activities to ensure that we are not putting things into our lives that will cause us to be morally corrupt. This is why I'm so glad that Halloween is over. I'm so glad that all of this is over because as many of you know, all of October, there's people with you know, all kinds of decorations. Everywhere you look, there's, there's, there's demonic decorations. There's, there are people giving prominence to the domain of darkness. Oh, it's fine. No, you're, you're, you're literally like, it's the domain of darkness. You're, 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 you're highlighting the darkness. You know, there's, there's, um, these, there's this business that we have to drive by uh, to, to get home, me and my wife and the kids. And this business always decorates for all of, the, all of the holidays. And so, of course, they decorate for Halloween. And they have, like, this big old, like, 12-foot werewolf, like, demonic werewolf-looking thing. And it's, it's super annoying because we drive by, and then my son sees it. And now he has that image in his head. Now he has the all, everywhere he's gone, now he has all of these images in his mind. And my wife and I, because you know, we want to make sure that he doesn't have these things in his, in his head. We work very hard to not allow any of these types of things into his mind. We, we watch movies before we, we watch it with him. Like we watched um, recently, uh, it's so funny, for like four years we try to watch Moana. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. But it's just like our, our first trip to Hawaii, they had it on the airplane, so we tried to watch it. But like I just lost interest so quick. It was just like, what is this movie? And so then we went to Hawaii again, praise the Lord. You know, we went again, and it's just like they had Moana again. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. And we're going to Hawaii. This is like an island-type movie. We're going to watch it. And I lost, in, like at the same time, like I lost interest as, as the last time. And so this time, uh, we're just like, you know what, let's just watch it, and then maybe we can watch it with, you know, with Caleb, you know, our son. He's four years old. And we watched it, and we're like, nah, this kid is never watching this movie, at least not until he gets old enough. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but there's, like, some straight-up demonic stuff in that movie. Like, there's, like, these, these creatures in there. There's, like, this fiery person. Like, it's just crazy. Like, as an adult, whatever. You know, you can watch it. You know, you know better. But as a child watching that stuff, nah, it ain't going to work. We're protecting our child's minds. And um, I saw this other clip. I don't, I don't know if you, guys ever, if you guys saw this, but there was a clip of like, maybe like a week or two ago that I saw. It was a, a clip of this daycare center. And the daycare worker, for some reason, thought it'd be a good idea that for the kids that were misbehaving, they would put on like a scary mask. And they would get into that kid's face. Like, ah! And these kids, you see it. Uh, like a stupid decision and then also stupid decision to, to record it. But like they recorded it. You could see these children were terrified. They were terrified out of their minds because there was this, this, this scary looking creature in their face screaming. And now these kids, now they're, now they're going to have nightmares. The damage that they have done to these children. And, and I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, full disclosure, 
I was so, so angry when I saw that clip. And I began to imagine, okay, what, what, what would I do? What would I do if I knew that somebody did that to one of my children and now ruined them because now they're gonna have nightmares. They're gonna be up in the middle of the night crying because there's this creature coming after them and chasing them. And I tried to imagine what I would do. And honestly, I can't say that I would be a free person after that. Like I was so upset that like the only thing that my mind could think of was violence. Like how dare you, how dare you do this to an innocent little child? Just, I don't know why I shared that and you're, I'm exposing myself a little bit like, oh, Pastor Eagle has violent tendencies. No, I don't. But it's just like, dude, if you mess with my child, it's not going to end up well for you. But we try to make sure that nothing inappropriate or immoral gets into our children's minds. And we need to exercise the same vigilance in our own lives. You know, so many times, actually... Speaking of Halloween and exercising the same vigilance in, in our minds, what did you guys do on Halloween? Just wondering. You don't have to say it out loud. But what did you do as a Christian? Did you get involved? Did you like, ah, I'll go to that party. Like, I'm not going to dress up. You know, I'm not going to drink. But, but there's probably going to be some, you know, some nurses there and some French maids there, you know, and you know, those nurses and those French maids don't exactly dress modestly, you know. But, like, what, what did you do on Halloween? How were you vigilant on Halloween? Just thought I'd throw that out there. But so many times, you know, for, even for myself, like, I'll, I'll want to watch a TV show or a movie. And before watching that TV show or that movie, some of you have heard me say this before, I'll go to, I'll go to imdb.com, internetmoviedatabase.com. They have a little section where users can submit like, oh yeah, this movie has violence or strong language. At this point of the movie, this happens. And I look, and if, it, if it's a movie or a TV show that has like nudity or strong sexual content or anything like that, I guess I'm not watching that movie. I guess I'm not watching that TV show. I guess I'm not. I don't, I don't want it. Don't need it. Don't need to risk it. We keep a good conscience. We need to keep a good conscience. And, and I can't tell you what that means for you. I can't tell you what that means specifically for you. I can tell you what generally it means for all of us, but I can't tell you what that specifically means for you, what things you need to remove from your life in order to keep a good conscience. You have to examine yourself and be extremely honest with yourself and decide what things need to be cut out of your life in order to fight this good fight and keep a good conscience. Maybe you need to stay off social media because the images that scroll through your phone, they begin to remind you of more explicit images from your past. And before you know it, you're trying to satisfy yourself sexually by looking at pornography. Or maybe you need to stay off social media because the images that come across your screen, they begin to make you ungrateful about what you have. And before you know it, you're asking God, why does this person have these things? Why does this person have that relationship? Why does this person look that way? And I don't. Maybe you need to keep your workplace relationships and your school relationships on a professional level so that you're not swayed to go hang out with these unsaved people on their turf. 
and be tempted to sin against God because that's what unsaved people do. They sin against God willingly. Maybe instead you need to invite these people to your turf. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? And then afterwards we'll go eat with everybody. It's a good time. You should come. But you don't need to be going with them. You don't need to be going with them to the bar. You don't need to be going with them to the club. You don't need to be going with them to the bowling alley because I'm pretty sure that in between frames at the bowling alley, they're not pulling out their Bibles. Oh, let me see what the word of God says. Well, until it's my turn to bowl again. No, they're taking shots or they're saying, hey, you want to, let's go smoke. Let's, let's go smoke in between frames, you know, whatever. But you have to examine yourselves. You have to examine yourselves. And the best way to examine yourself, the most honest way to examine yourself is to compare your life to the scriptures. What does God say about your lifestyle? What does God say about the choices that you make, the people that you choose to be closest to you, the images that you allow your eyes to see, the sounds that you allow your ears to hear, the places that your feet go? What does God's word say about these things? But you need to know the word to do that most effectively. But if you don't do these things, the end of verse of 19 tells us what happens. It says, some have rejected these things and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. And I've told you all a few times by this point that many of the people that I knew who were in my young adults group when I was in my early 20s, many of them aren't walking with God anymore. They've walked away from the Lord, either in a state of backsliding or because they never even truly knew God to begin with. Whatever the case, they are suffering the shipwreck of their faith. They are a mess in regards to their faith in Jesus. Their lives may look okay and and put together and everything may be all right, but we all know that a life apart from Christ is a life that will end in eternal separation from God as they will make their home in hell. Whether you're homeless or in a mansion, if you have not Christ, you have nothing. I will boast. I won't boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. If you don't have faith in Christ, you will perish. And so it's extremely important to fight the good fight of this faith by keeping the faith and keeping a good conscience. What things need to to go in your life? What things are holding you back in regards to your walk with Christ? What things need to go so that your conscience can remain morally pure? What things need to go so that you can have more time to spend with Christ and his word? What things need to be prayed about tonight as we prepare to get into this time of prayer? Keep these things in your mind. Keep these things in your mind. Maybe even write them down because right now what we're going to do is I want to throw out the invitation like I normally do uh, to anyone who doesn't have faith in Christ Anybody who doesn't have faith in Christ just yet, anyone who thought they had faith in Christ, but maybe your life, the fruit of your life is proving otherwise, or perhaps you're in a backslidden state and you need to come back to your father. Your father is calling you. You need to come back. If there's anyone in here, we're not going to turn off the lights. We're not going to set the mood. You know, we're not going to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. The invitation, is there anybody who needs to profess faith in Jesus Christ because you've never done it before or you thought you were saved, but you're realizing you're not or you're backslidden and you need to come back to your father? Anybody, I want to pray for you. Anybody? Is there anyone? 
I'll wait. I'll wait until someone reads. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anybody? Just throwing out the invitation. Okay, that's fine. So um, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into our time of prayer just right now. So, Father, thank you so much for this night. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for, for your spirit. And, God, I pray that you would use your word to minister to us, to encourage us, to love us, and to show us the areas in our lives that need to be uh, adjusted, things that need to be repented of, things that need to be removed. And so I just pray that you'd bless this time of prayer. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.